Hi, this is James Clary from the Clarification Podcast. We really appreciate you sharing and watching our videos. If you feel so inclined, we could really use your help. You know, we spend hours and sometimes days researching these topics. And as much as we love it, we could really use your support. If you're on Spotify, go to our channel and there's a link where you can donate. Or if you're inclined, go to our website, which is clarification, that's C-L-A-R-Y, vacation.com, and there's a one-time donation button for PayPal. We really appreciate your support. And now, our feature presentation. We're good? Yep. Hey, everybody. It's Clarification Podcast. I'm your host, James Clary, along with my partner in crime, Russell West. What's up, Russ? Oh, not much. Just keeping the ship afloat. Yep, yep. There <laughs> we go. Hey, man, I saw our numbers on uh, certain platforms are growing. That's they cool. They are. Yeah, it's cool. Good to see. Good to see. We appreciate you guys listening. And we try and keep this interesting for you. And one of the aims of this show has been from the start and always will be to take historical events and show you why and how they're important to the news of today. And one of the dives we're going to take into today is what was and is called McCarthyism. And Russell, why don't you... Uh, Give them the little, the uh, definition of McCarthyism, according to Wiki. According to Wiki. Uh, so McCarthyism, I guess that would be sort of a verb or an ad. Uh, yeah, so. No, it would be a noun because it's a thing. McCarthyism, it's an action, right? No, but it's a thing. Okay. Because you can answer when you're trying to decide if, a, if it's a noun or you can say, what is it? It's a chair. What is it? McCarthyism. It's a thing. It's an ideology. Yes, that's probably more what I meant. Yeah, it's a noun. It's, hey, I got A's in English. <laughs> no, I, got, I mean, yeah, it's I an, got it's a, to it's graduate. A, it's a, right, it's a noun. Now, if you wanted to say that guy was McCarthyed, that would be a verb. But McCarthyism, any, yes. any ism is going to be a noun. Okay. Because it's, it's an ideology. Okay. Uh, is the practice of making accusations of subversion and treason, especially when related to communism and socialism. The term originally referred to as the controversial practices and policies of the U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy. Yeah, and yeah, and this, this goes back to the 40s. And, and as we've gone over in previous shows, you have to understand, particularly when we were talking about the, the malfeasance and misdoings of the CIA, it's important to understand these things in the context of history. World War II had ended. Our ally in World War II was the Soviet Union, which was the major communist power. At the same time during World War II, what people need to remember about this, it was pre-World War II and during World War II that the Chinese communists came into power. Now, the Soviet communists came into power in 1913, World War I, basically. Mm. That's the way I can think about it, so you can remember the yep. dates. World War I, Russia became communist. Yep. World War II, China became communist. And that's when all the, the red scared this. You know, American State Department diplomats were terrified that communism would spread, and it did spread through Eastern Europe. We divided up Europe between 
the communists, sure. and ourselves. Yep, that's where you get the domino theory. Right, that all these into... countries would fall, which led us into the Vietnam War. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, North and South Korea were divided. Communist, non-communist. Vietnam. Berlin. Berlin, East and West Berlin. So, you know, you have to think about these things in that subtext that there was. Look, I grew up in the 60s. I literally remember as a little kid doing those dumb bomb raid you know like yeah yeah. we were going to survive a nuclear attack by the soviet union by getting under our desk in our school that's literally what they had us do they the air raid sirens would go off we'd have to get under our desk now this was very when i was very young like 65 when i was in kindergarten but by by after the cuban missile crisis which is in what 63 we've talked about that. well 62 i think might be. Kennedy was killed in 64, yeah. JFK. Three. He's killed in 63. 63. So, yeah, you're probably right. It was in 62. Maybe in 61. He won the election in 60. He was inaugurated in he 61, had, January of 61. Yeah. Then he had Bay of Pigs before that. Right. And then, uh, so it was probably 62, but was somewhere right around there. And I was born in 60. So you should remember, huh? Yeah. <laughs> well, people, do you remember when JFK was killed? I was three. I don't remember. I do remember when Robert Kennedy was killed. Really? Oh, yeah. 69, yeah. Because my mom, I heard my mother shriek. Really? When she heard the news? Yeah. She was a big Democrat and, you know, big. Oh, I think that was bad for everybody. It was everybody. And I remember coming out of my room. I still have the memory of walking into my kitchen. I had a little TV, which was rare. We were, my dad was a doctor. We were well off. Had a little portable TV in the kitchen. And my mom was watching the news about Robert Kennedy crying, just sobbing. And still, what happened? Robert Kennedy was killed and you know, so I didn't, but anyway, so back to McCarthyism, Joseph McCarthy was a Republican Senator who made the claim that the U S political system, particularly the state department, but a lot of it also had to do with Hollywood that also the cultural institutions, which Hollywood was then still is to this day one of the most important culture institutions, had been taken over by communists. Now, if you don't think that the Russians were trying to influence American society, you're nuts. Now, we have a free society. There were chapters of the Communist Party all over America, and there were well-known communists. Now it's a, a little bit more underground, although... You saw in a lot of the uh, Antifa is basically mainly a communist organization. I mean, they call each other comrade. Did you know that? I did know that, yes. Yeah, I figured. Yeah, it's uh, weird, but. But, Well, but comrade's a term that communists use Mm -hmm. for their allies in war. What a hello, comrade. Well, the thing is, people. We're doing this show partly because I don't think people understand how serious this stuff is. Look, communism, in my opinion, is diametrically opposed to every value that we, being in a democratic republic, we're not a democracy, people. So don't go on Facebook and Twitter and say our democracy is at risk. We don't have a democracy. We have what's called a constitutional republic. And there's a difference, and it's important. In a democracy, mob rules. Mm-hmm. 51 votes over 50, you win. Your side gets everything. In a constitutional republic, 
every side gets a voice. We have a representative democracy. That's why we elect representatives to the House of what? Representatives. Those people like Eric Burleson, who is running for our representatives in this little corner of Missouri, is running to represent us. And the people get to vote on that. Now, they may vote for uh, a Democrat, which I don't think so. I think Eric's going to win. But Mm -hmm. uh, so Eric will take his values based on the voters who voted for him and he'll represent us in Congress. That's how it's supposed to work. Sure. So anyway, McCarthy became famous for a series of hearings, and it was called the House uh, Committee on Un-American Activities. And it's similar to the January 6th hearings, although the January 6th hearings, uh, although they're getting a lot of press and they're calling, oh, you know, the threat to our democracy, and thank God these people are standing up. Uh, I think history will show that it was a sham. Now, for years, I was brought up that Joseph McCarthy was this lunatic, fringe, right-wing guy promoting scare tactics. And I think that's sort of his legacy, in a way, uh, for most Americans. But it's changing. Sure. And that's the point of this show. Mm. You're absolutely right. We were all taught that in school. Weren't you taught that? Yeah, McCarthyism was uh, synonymous with a witch hunt. Yes, exactly. Well put. Yeah, it was it was a witch hunt, and that you know there was no. But here's the the problem with that idea. It turns out, like I pulled up an article uh, called "Joe McCarthy Was Right" by Accuracy in Media, which I really like this site. By the way, uh, AIM Accuracy in Media. I I use them a lot. Uh, There was a recent conference called Rethinking McCarthy where veteran journalist Stanton Evans disputed a number of myths about the senator that have been accepted by leading historians and media figures. And what happens when something's accepted by leading historians and media figures? It gets passed down. I was taught that. You were taught that. So the original list, now McCarthy produced a letter to this committee in which he had listed names of people who were suspected communists in government. The original list included a number of cases, not names, was attained by McCarthy after it was put together by staffers. It was drawn from the files of the State Department itself. The State Department knew, and it turns out, most, if not all, of the people on this list were actual communists. We had communists working in the State Department. Our division of government who's most responsible for foreign affairs. I heard an interesting thing recently. It was America had the technology, but uh, Russia had the the manpower. You know, same with World War II, but they actually had way more spies, actual individuals in place than America. America had the bomb, you know, we had the U-2 planes that could see stuff. Could You know, we had all right. this technology, but we didn't actually have as many people over there as they had over here. Well, and you know what I think part of that was? The Soviet Union, being a completely authoritarian dictatorship, could tell parents, we're taking your child. Now, there's a, there's a great book. I don't know if you ever read it. I mean, it's honestly, this author is one of my favorites, but he wrote a book called The Charm School, the only book he ever wrote was called The Pres- the General's Daughter, which became a movie with John Travolta. His name is uh, DeMille. And 
he wrote Gold Coast. Right. I mean, just some incredible books. I, I got into a thing where I was reading all of his books. But Charm School, the premise of the book was that during Vietnam, you know, the Soviets supplied the North Vietnamese with MiG fighters, right? Yes. So it was really, it was a proxy war. We were fighting the Soviet Union in, in the Vietnam War. Yes. There were many American fighters that were captured, fighter pilots that were captured in the Vietnam War, John McCain, John McCain being one sure. of them. But there were hundreds in like the Hanoi Hilton in these prison camps. So the charm school, and I don't know, honestly, this guy had access to intel. I think there might be some truth in his premise. The premise was they take these downed American fighter pilots, make them breed, have children with Russian women, those children are raised by the American pilot and spoken only English and talked to about America. They're brought up as Soviet citizens, but by the time they're 21, they're completely American. And then they're sent to America because to they, be spies. Because like an anchor baby type situation? No, no it's the to... to to uh, absorb the colloquialisms and the language like Hammer and Hank, Aaron. You know, you wouldn't know that the Soviets couldn't teach a, per a Soviet citizen to be American as well as an American could. Right. So they forced these fighter pilots, fathers, yeah. to teach these kids to be American. They wouldn't allow them any Russian. They lived with the fighter pilots. Wouldn't they grow up to be just Americans? And then not have this no, because, Soviet patriotism? Because they were told at a young age, you're a Soviet citizen. Well, learn, you you're going to gonna learn be sent this. as a spy when you're 21. I see. Okay, that makes and sense. And then they actually go to America. And, of course, they're trained at the highest level. And, you know, to even become American fire pilot, you got to be intelligent. So these kids were smart. And they go get positions in the State Department, in Congress. One of them became vice president, the ultimate Goal right. of the book was to attain the presidency and bring about the downfall of the United States. That, sure, so that was sure, the premise sure. of the book. Well, the reality of it was there were, as you said, there were the Soviets had 10 times the number of spies in the United States than we had in the Soviet Union. And I think part of it, like I said, was because they were authoritarian, they had the capability to do this. I mean, the CIA can't just tell some parent, your kid's going to become a Soviet spy. You hear, he's going to go be raised by Igor and learn. No, they had the choice and they would go to Yale and they'd learn the Soviet language and have to do all that. And I, you know, I'd never heard that before, but what you said about the manpower, I think it's spot on. Mm -hmm. You're right. Well, you know, it's what I always found interesting about Stalin was he went in to office with the wooden plow and left him with the atomic bomb. Yeah, that's true. They were, they were a, a peasant society. Medieval society. And when he left, they were a world power. Yeah. Which says something to totalitarian gumption. Real. Yeah. And and uh, having a vision. Uh, but of course that was an extremely high cost. But it is just interesting to think about that. Well, and I think China learned from the Soviets' mistakes. We're getting a little off task, but look what they did. They incorporated certain aspects of free market capitalism into a communist society, and that's why they're mm -hmm. the power they are today. They mm -hmm. allowed, and you know what the number one thing they allowed was, was private ownership. 
Yeah. Private ownership of businesses, or not business, just of property, is one of the things, the major tenets that separates a capitalist society from a communist society. In a communist authoritarian society, the state owns everything. The means of production. I mean, classic definition of socialism is where the state owns the means of production. Yeah, that's Marxist uh, theory, right? Yeah, and, and socialists. Hitler took up when he came to power the, and during nationalized all of industry. So the state owned the means of production. So people would say Hitler was fascist. No, he was socialist. That's why it was the, what is the, the Nazi acronym, the Nationalist Socialist, socialist Party. Right. The Workers Party. Yeah, yep. right. So when the means of production is run by the state, so that's never, now we say that's never happened in the United States. We actually enjoy and I use that term sarcastically, corporatism. And that's where, although the state doesn't own the means of production, what's happened now is there's this collusion between the state, government, and large corporations. I mean, you look at the disinformation board where they basically admitted that these politicians are colluding with uh, Google Twitter and Facebook to censor information. Mm -hmm. These are the steps that are being taken. That's why we're starting with McCarthy and we're going to, we're going to jump through these historical hoops to get to the point where what's happening today is, is a communist ideology, what you're seeing. And I mean, I'm going to make the point at the end of this and hopefully back it up on certain tenets of my argument Wokeism is communism. They're the Mm -hmm. same thing. So anyway, back to McCarthy. He had this list of names, and it turns out that many, many, if not all, not I won't say all, but most of the people, uh, the chairman of one committee said the information showed a large number of communists on the rolls of the State Department. He added, it makes me wonder if there's any representation of the United States in the State Department. I mean, that is a stunning statement that in the 1950s, when our biggest adversary enemy was the Soviet Union, our State Department had been taken over by communists. Now, we're specifically talking about politics, the bureaucracy in D.C., and we're going to talk about Hollywood next. But I would argue that all cultural institutions have been under attack since at least 1940. Uh, education uh, is, is one of the, the biggest ones. And I don't know if we talked in a previous show about uh, how education was taken over. By we the, have, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that interview with Norman Dodd, which yep. is just stunning. Where Yes, we did, where he talks about going into these NGOs, Rockefeller Foundation, Carnegie, and he was given the minutes, yeah, the Reese Committee hearings in the 50s, which, which was shortly after McCarthy's hearings, and this Congressman Reese had Norman Dodd, an investigator, go investigate these committees. And they said, okay, well, here's what we did. I mean, we'll tell you. We went to Harvard. We went to Yale. We went to Princeton and said, we're going to give you a million dollars endowment. But the caveat is we get to choose your professors for the liberal arts. That would be history, sociology, anthropology, everything except business, basically. And so they chose 
socialist left-leaning, I'm just going to call it what it is, communist-leading professors, and they packed the universities. I mean, before 1945, universities had a fair mix of the population. There was as many conservative professors as liberal. Would anyone today say that, that there's as many conservative professors? They'd laugh you out of the room. Of course, university professors, and some are openly communist. You got to do a search. How many openly communist professors there are in the Ivy League right now? And I would dare say it's at least 50%. My my oldest brother's a professor, and I know he didn't listen to this show, and he denies this, but one time, because he and I would have these horrible political arguments, one time I called him, I was like, bro, you're, you're a communist. And you know what? He At the time, he didn't deny it. Now, and that in recent times, when I've said that to him, he's like, no, I'm not. I'm like, well, you might as well be. But anyway. Well, so while we're on this, yeah, I've always heard about this, and I, I think this is a good time to bring it up. Sure. Uh, there's a, uh, in the eighties, there was a defector named Yuri Brezmanov mm-hmm. and he wrote a book called KGB psychological warfare and subversion strategy. I remember this one and two. And he did an interview. Yes. Yeah. I've it was seen, a big time yeah. interview. Now it's, there's, there's two parts to it and I've got the cliff notes here. So I'll just give you those. So just as, a, as an overhead note, every Russian student is taught subversion theory if, if they were thought to be dealing with foreigners in the future. So the stage one of this whole master plan subversion for the KGB, theory. yes, yeah. is to promote anti-establishment beliefs, anti-religion, anti-education, anti-immigrant, anti-science, anti-media, anti-government, uh, anti-police, anything... Uh, Anti-value in society that acts as a substitution for moral values. Natural ideological tendencies uh, are greatly taken advantage of by Russian propaganda. The goal is to destroy the objective of truth. Facts don't matter anymore. Now, when you're listening to this, think about how this applies to today. Well, and I will say that if you study history and you learn about the Frankfurt School from which postmodernism was born, postmodernism is a theory of thought. It's an ideology, and one of the main tenets is that there is no objective reality. Read, go back to what that said. It said, goal is to destroy objective truth. Postmodernism said there is no objective truth. True. So you hear these wokists saying, my truth? Yes. See, uh, this is all... It all goes back to this. It's a written document by Soviet exactly. to destroy America. Exactly. My truth is utter bullshit. Yeah. There's no such thing as my truth. I can say... We're damn close to a totally destroyed objective truth. Oh, already. absolutely. Well, look, all of our cultural institutions have been co-opted by communists. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say it, communists, before we're like, well, yeah, they have socialist tendencies. No. This stems, and you just proved it in this document, this stems from the KGB's uh, ultra-communist ideology, goals to destroy objective truth. So now, a man can be a woman. What is a woman? As someone I just saw on Twitter last night identified, anyone who says they're a woman is a woman. That is not objective truth. And and, uh, you lose. Right. There's no 
winning here. You have to just move on or fight it and look like an asshole. Well, but either way, we uh, don't have to accept anymore. And that's the point of this podcast, sure, sure. this particular show in general. We don't have to accept it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to call it out for utter bullshit. And I'm not going to let people tell me I was born with a penis and testicles. And now I'm a woman. I'm going to say, look, live your life, do what you want. But I'm not buying into that bullshit. Sure. Absolutely. Sorry, I'm a little upset, <laughs> yeah. but I'm watching the society I grew up with and loved crumble around me, you know, and it's because of this. McCarthy was right. That's the point of this. Yes. Uh, we got a few more stages here I'd like to go through. So yeah. Stage two of this is called destabilization. Okay. So this is, uh, you let your target population destabilize themselves. Oh, God, are we seeing are that? Are we doing that or not? <laughs> are we doing that? I, I would say, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so polarization, uh, radical, excuse me, polarization occurs. Radicalization begins. Yes. And then polarization occurs among family, friends, and neighbors and results in constant fighting. Compromise is impossible. Yeah. Oh radicalization also includes militarization. Law and Antifa, order erodes. BLM. Yes. Even Defund if, uh, the police. Uh, uh, society becomes uh, anti antagonistic. Anta- oh, ant- yeah, antagonistic within itself. Uh, divisions fracturing. The media puts itself in opposition to society at large. Wow. Divisive cultural issues come to mainstream, uh, resulting in conflict, sometimes violent. All right, let me stop you there. When was this? Nine, this is a KGB defector in 1983. 83. Yes. 40 years ago. Wow. But it takes 40 years to implement this stuff. Well, wasn't it Brezhnev, one of the early Soviet leaders when JFK was president, so it's been in the 60s, Brezhnev said, we will take over America and we'll never fire a shot. Exactly. And this is how they're doing it. It's happening. It's working. Again, yeah. this guy didn't know about social media. He didn't know about anything. These were gifts to the KGB and the Russian socialist uh, communist movement. And so the great reset and the struggle sessions that we saw, which is a, a term that the chi- in the Cultural Revolution under Maoist China, these struggle sessions, whereas they'd go out, they'd find a peasant farmer who owned a little piece of land, and they'd say, you know, you're a proletariat. You're the enemy because you own this little piece of land that produces, you know, a half a bushel of rice a week when your neighbor only gets a quarter of a bushel. You know, you're the problem. And if they didn't come around, they were executed. Yeah. There's, there's Mao killed a million, what, five Mao, million people. Mao in China, if you were to find, a, there's, there's stories. Now, they may be hyperbole, we don't know, but of, of someone eating some beans that they had found. Um and they made the kids bury the parents alive. Oh my god! For the parents having given the kids the beans. Well, I don't doubt it. It's wild. Yeah, they, they were starved, and you know, oh, this this stuff is so it's, disturbing. It, but it's so obvious. So, and I'm really into, glad you pulled this up. This is amazing. It's, it's really interesting stuff. Let's so keep we go going into, through so it. We go into I, stage three. This is the crisis. Pull mode. that up on the, yeah. The government systems cannot function anymore. Society collapses, can't function properly. Power struggle occurs. Society is looking for a savior, some strong leader. Population is sick and tired of same old, same old. Trump. So this leads to two possible outcomes, civil war or invasion. And we've heard about the CHICOMs on the Canadian border, that the Canadians have allowed Chinese army to do training in Canada. Now, let's... 
let's go back up a little bit. Uh, so stage two, go to up a little bit more. So stage two, I would say right now we're at stage three, just at the beginning. Yeah, we're right here where government systems cannot function anymore. Yeah, divisive culture issues come to the mainstream, resulting in conflict, sometimes violently. Okay, the riots in 2020, what you see now in media, and it's so obvious that you have to ask yourself, how have they been able to do this? Well, it's such a multi-pronged attack. It's so subtle. And the communists always play for the long term. They know these guys that are dead now set these plans in motion 100 years ago. Mm -hmm. And I admire them for that. It's like, my God, how did you know, I mean, that you'd accomplish this and it wouldn't be your, till your grandkids were adults that you saw the fruits of your labor, which is destroying well, that's, that's, America. It's a direct quote from Xi Jinping. It's like, the, we've been here, what's 300 years in the, in the, China, in the realm of, of, of China? China's been here for since the beginning of time. Yeah. So to take over and win the world, it doesn't matter. Time is nothing. Time is on time our is side. Time is relative. It will continue on. So these things that they put into place have long-term goals versus our short-term greed goals. Here's what's surprising to me is that these international organizations like the World Economic Forum and the World Health Organization, that they're all on board with this shit. They're, I mean, all part, they're all part of it. They're they part of it. You look at the Great Reset and the World Economic Forum and Klaus Schwartz. I was just pulling up this article about the Great Reset. And I know we've gone off track a little bit because I was I just like trying to... trying to better. No, <laughs> this no, good. this is great. But, you know, I was trying to lay this step. The bottom line about McCarthy and McCarthy is McCarthy was correct. There were comments. We haven't talked about Hollywood, and I want to talk about that for yeah, a minute we'll because... McCarthy made the point that it wasn't just in government that the communists had taken root. He said it was in Hollywood. And I found some really interesting articles about how Hollywood was co-opted by the communists. And I mean, it it's crazy. So here's Here's something. That to gain control of the movie industry, the international communist conspirators enlisted revolutionary writers, writers, very important, throughout the world to write for the film studios. One of these guys was named John Howard Lawson. And Lawson is listed 50 times in the records of the House Committee Investigating Un-American Activities, the McCarthy uh, House Committee, for affiliations with communist organizations. The Committee of California Legislature turned him one of the most important Marxist strategists in Southern California. John Leach, former Communist Party official in Los Angeles, told a county grand jury that Lawson had been sent from New York to Hollywood by the Central Committee of the Communist Party. So what happened is that these communists Open strategy. They didn't even freaking hide this. You got to remember, a lot of these guys were super intellectuals. And you notice today, the intellectuals, they think communism is a better ideology to run the world than capitalism. Mm. They think that capitalism, you know, uh, 
capitalism is not fair to the labor, to the working population. You know, the, the state should control all labor, means of production, and that everyone should share equally. The problem is it never works out. Humans are greedy, naturally. Exactly, and, and communist know, officials are greedy. Yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and, and grandstand uh Capitalism, Capitalism either, right. because it has a lot of... It has it its has own a, problems. It's, I think it's still way better than the alternatives. Particularly free market capitalism, which we no longer have. We are not a free market. There's too much influence uh, between government and other well, organizations. And these big companies just getting bigger and bigger in these conglomerates right. until eventually there's only a few companies that own everything. Right. And that's not capitalism. Well, it's like our last newsstand edition where we talked about DuPont and Dow and these dangerous chemicals that they're putting into our water supply you know in a true free market that would never happen mm -hmm. because the regulatory agencies wouldn't be captured yeah and competition would come along and say we're making a teflon that doesn't pollute the water supply and now that company would grow sure but dow and dupont have too much power yeah and they're able to, to, to shove it down so yeah so let me back yeah so back to hollywood basically what happened was the Screenwriters Guild, this intellectual term, was formed, and it was completely run by communists. Now, that's essentially the Actors Union, right? The Screen it's Actors the screen, Guild. No, it's, no that's Sad. the actors. This is the screenwriters. Oh, oh, oh you're right. These are you're the people right, that right. write the content. Sure. And so two of the biggest uh, people in Hollywood that spoke out against this were... John Wayne and Walt Disney, oddly enough, because, you know, the Walt Disney Corporation is as woke as they get. And we're making the point in this podcast, wokeism is communism, but not in the day. Walt Disney was, look, he stood behind the family values, the free market, the American way. Let's watch that clip from John. John Wayne was the other one. Let's watch this clip from John Wayne, if you've got it. Can I talk to you now about another much publicized aspect of your life, which is the sort of political uh, views that you hold? I'd like to particularly ask you as well, because it's related to the film industry, about that period in your career in Hollywood when you were to the forefront of the people who were um, blacklisting the um, alleged communist members. Hold on just a sec. Can you pause it just a second? I just want to bring up the point, the... The term blacklisting was used, and we didn't cover that. These people on McCarthy's list, they they claimed they were being blacklisted unfairly and that they couldn't get work. And because there was, they were Because they were communists, okay. yes, or communists. Mm. And the thing is, they were, some of them were, and there were good people that were blacklisted also, but the history's taught us that all these people were blacklisted unfairly. We're making the point that's bullshit. Most of them deserve to be on that blacklist. Sorry, so I just wanted to give you the definition of that term. Go on. That's, that's not a true statement. Well, we were not blacklisting. Well, you are. They were. They, they were. No, they were blacklisting. We didn't name anybody. We stayed completely out of it and said, we are Americans. Anybody that wanted to join us was fine. We gave no names out to anybody at any time ever. But are you? But when you look back at that now, John, at this in this space of time, I mean, are you proud of what happened in Hollywood at that time? I think it was probably a very necessary thing at the time, because uh, the radical liberals were going to take over our business. 
the people who got kicked out of Hollywood, surely they, they were Who the were kicked who, out? Well, the people... No, wait, who, wait, tell me who was kicked out. Well, the out. people who left Hollywood. Let's take, a, for example, Carl Foreman. Yeah, Carl Foreman. I mean, was Dalton Trumbo? Carlton Foreman. Trumbo. Dalton Trumbo. Look what happened to Larry about, Parks. About uh, Larry Parks uh, admitted that he'd been a commie and he went on working. Well, he didn't work for some time. He'd had a very... Well, he hadn't worked a hell of a lot before that, had he? Well, no, but I mean... No. Uh, but I mean, these aren't people, surely, are they, who you would expect to take over the industry? Well, at the time, it seemed rather serious. And uh, they were getting themselves into a position where they could uh, control who would do the writing. Carl Foreman was a screenwriter, film producer, who wrote the award-winning films Bridge Over River Kwai, which I love mm -hmm. that film, High Noon. He was blacklisted, but he was a member of the Communist Party. And, you know, like Wayne said, he goes, well, at the time, it, it was a big deal. So let's listen to what Walt Disney had to say. This is 1947, Walt Disney. I'm a communist, don't you? And I told him that all I knew was what I'd heard and what I'd seen. And he laughed and said, well, I used their money to finance this, my strike of 1937. And uh, he said that he got the money to a personal check of some actor, and I don't know who that came. He didn't even name the actor. I didn't go into it any further. I just listened. And as I qualified to say on that, I just feel that the thing is, can be proven un-American that it, it ought to be outlawed. And I think that, that uh, some way should be done without interfering with the rights of people. And I think that will be done. I have that faith. Have you any suggestions to offer as to how the industry can be helped in fighting this menace? Well, I think there's it's, it's a good start toward it. Uh, I know that I've been uh, handicapped out there in fighting it because they've been hiding behind the, uh, the labor setup. They get themselves closely tied up in the labor thing so that if you try to get rid of them, they'd make a labor case out of it. So let's, let's, let's talk about this for a minute because the, the history of labor and communist influences in the Walt Disney Corporation is kind of fascinating. So I've read a lot about this. Disney, in the, in the late 30s, you know, Walt Disney started his studio out of one man in a briefcase and a few and artists. A I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It is so cool how he grew. And he grew this company. And, he, you know, he finally, I think it was Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, was the first full-length feature film, went on to become very successful. So he had these animators and screenwriters working for him. And communist agitators were sent to work in the Walt Disney Company, and there was only a couple of them, and they forced votes. And people that didn't go along with it, look, they used violent, it's like Antifa and BLM and some of these rights, they used violent tactics. They'd like slash tires of people that voted against these so-called union activities. And Disney's company was taken over by a group of communist agitators who got these other regular guys, animators, and screenwriters to go along with it. Mm -hmm. And Disney was pissed. Right. And it's the same tactics that you outlined from this KGB uh, defector. Look, these people, they go into corporations in Hollywood and elsewhere, and they would agitate. 
Then mm-hmm. they'd use violence, threats, intimidation. We have to stand up to that. So sure. that's what Disney was talking about with these labor disputes. His company had been attacked by communists. Yeah, and he saw it firsthand, and it was at a congressional hearing. Yes. So he was under he was, oath discussing what was happening right. to his company. And John Wayne, and there were several other actors at the time, stood up against this. Now, there was also a group of actors, in, include, including Lauren Bacall and um, Humphrey Bogart, to name a few, very well known, who who said this is completely wrong. They were saying nobody should be blacklisted. And you know what? It is subtle. In America, you have the right to be a communist. In a communist country, if I go to communist China, I don't have to I don't have the right to push for Western free market capitalism. I don't have the right to criticize the Xi Jinping government. I right. get thrown in prison. Sure. Yeah. Here you have the right. So it's a little bit different. You have the right to uh, strike and promote for a labor union in a particular company. Those rights are protected under law. And so it's subtle because the communists take advantage of the fact that we have this free society. Because we have this free society, you can start a, a uh, uh, communist central committee in Los Angeles mm-hmm. or Springfield, Missouri. There probably is a chapter of the Communist Party here. Well, I know there's Democratic Socialist parties that Which is adopt streets, you know, in town. And that's the thing. I, I think it's time to, to uh, call this crap for what it is. Antifa, even BLM, you know, and they, they talk, they call each other comrade, and they claim to be these socialist people, and then we find out that the BLM leaders bought $7 million mansions. It's the same thing that we talked about in communist Russia, right? Sure, yeah, yeah. Now, do you think that, that if this is the grand master plan, that even the, even the right is responsible for this, the division and the, the, the whole split. And so it's, they have, the sure, they may have more idealistic values towards communism, but the whole plan of, of separating America, destroying the enemy is responsible on both sides. Yeah, I, I once again, I go back to what we, we on this show and on other shows, they call the uniparty in Washington. Mm-hmm. And there's not two parties. There's not Republicans right. and Democrats. Well, even just on the personal individual level, like they're so far extreme now that there is no coming together. Yeah, but you know what, dude? When this, you know, when you take wokeism and you shove it down the throats of Americans at some point, I'm going to make the argument that the left started this. The right's going to finish. No, they it. definitely did because they're the they're you know they were they're the communist yeah. sympathized. Like their their ideas are are a lot similar. It's easier to get to them. Look, has the right pushed through threats, violence, intimidation, uh, prayer in public schools? Have they supported no, that? Yes, not. but have they pushed it in the same way that the left has pushed for God to be removed from well, everything? And here's the interesting part, because this is where he gets into the prevention methods of his his argument here. Yeah, let's go through um, this. So he says, for prevention, laws should be put in place to prevent companies from manipulating customers and consuming, buying more Facebook, Amazon come to mind. Wait a minute. Laws should be put in place to prevent companies from manipulating consumers. consumers. 
from consuming. Well, and yeah, and that goes back to consumerism, which mm-hmm. we have talked about. It goes back to the twenties, right? And, yeah. Um, but so, more important here is technology so, will, will will not permit or protect societies from the threat like religion, belief in God, a higher power, more principles. So, part put, of this whole thing is we need there the lack of moral compass or God or anything other is, is a big part of that. So that needs to be right. That's part of the solution according to him. All right. So let's, let's go with those other two. Self-restraint and restoration yeah. of religion and sound moral principles is vital. Ugh. The problem with that is I just read a poll that the belief in God is at the lowest point in America that it's ever been. Again, we go back to what? Step two. Yeah. Step two. Uh, Radicalization. No, go. It's at step one. Uh, Promote yes. anti-religion, anti-education. Da, 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 da. Yes, yeah. yes. So it all, you know, all kind of ties in there. Yeah. So uh, it's bad enough we have individuals embracing wokeism. Now we have massive corporations embracing the communist movement. Look, the NBA, the NFL, the. Uh, National, the baseball, so what is that? The league, the National uh, National League, America, the baseball, yeah, ma- uh, major professional baseball. Major League Baseball, yeah, thank you, MLB. They're all woke. Woke, look, and it's time for people like us and our listeners to call this shit out. Here's the deal. I'm going to say it again. Wokeism is communism. And we have tied the history and the historical roots of this for you. Now it's up to us to stand up and say it. People have been terrified to say that, Russell. Mm-hmm. That being woke because, oh, it's the... Pol- Look, political correctness is a communist ideology. Being politically correct. Because that's how they were able to avoid anyone criticizing them they were able to avoid criticism by saying you're not being politically you're not being kind well it's uh, it's a sin- kind of a labeling type thing similar as they did yeah. in, you know you you put latinx you divide everyone exactly. through labels yeah and uh, it's kind of the same deal so i yes identity politics is one of the tenets that you just went over by that kgb defector Create division among society by dividing everybody by everything. And look, they're coming up with new divisions now. You know, the ultimate yeah. victim, black, lesbian, trans. Well, and you have you have these uh, these Russian troll farms that just pump misinformation and, and divisive content onto social media sites. And that's all they do. It's more part of this subversion technique. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. So this is that same guy. Ole uh, no, this Col- is a different guy. Oh, this is this a is different KGB guy. in an interview with CNN. Said, I would describe, he said, the Soviet intelligence, very important. I would describe as the heart and soul of the Soviet intelligence, subversion. Not intelligence collection, but subversion. Have you ever seen the show The Americans? Yeah. God, yeah, I love that show. That was show. a good show. <laughs> it went for like 15 seasons. I mean, it was on it forever. For while, yeah. And it was about, once about going back to DeMille's The Charm School. Because those two, although born and raised in the Soviet Union, spoke perfect English, knew all the American colloquialisms, and they were sent over here as spies. 
Hollywood doesn't do any of that shit by accident. Sure. There were couples and probably still are. Now, I don't know, the Soviet Union's been disbanded, but let's look at China. How many university professors have been arrested for collaborating with the Chinese Communist Party? There's been dozens in the last five years. Yeah, it's pretty wild. They're sharing secrets with the Chicoms. I think one of the biggest things that's frightening to me is how, and look, it's the money. They haven't. That the Soviets did it through the human intelligence because Chinese people are so different in looks and uh, in dialect than Americans. The Chinese have done it through money. Mm-hmm. They dangled this money out to American corporations. I remember when I owned this custard franchise, I probably told you this before, that someone approached us about taking frozen custard to China. Yeah. Because here... You know, my girlfriend makes this point. She knows this doesn't matter because of her job. Uh, Of immigrants, foreign students at Missouri State, which is here in our city, Mm -hmm. I think it's 70% are Chinese. There uh, There are thousands of the total population. No, the the total immigrant student population. Oh, oh, okay. 70% of them are from China. Gotcha. We have allowed, and now what do you think? Remember, China, no matter what you believe, is still a completely totalitarian, authoritarian government. What percentage of those kids are actual spies? I think it's a large percentage. Well, I mean, and we've allowed them. Who's paying them. for the tuition? Also, is is the, the government? So the government's paying for their tuition, so they're already going to be bound to them. So that's, Look, they're going to go home and, I mean, right. I wonder how that works. Because if you spend enough time abroad and you become kind of accustomed to what it well, really is. Well, some of is, them have defected, though. I, I mean, look up Chinese student defections. I'm sure it's quite a quite a few, but it seems like a risky move for the government it is. to make. Well, right? no, it's risky on their part because even when you defect... The Chinese communists have so many spies oh, and assets. They'll too. kill you they'll and your family, family in yeah, China. Yeah, this, That's that. exactly no, right. No, I meant risky on the on the part of the Chinese government to send them over and to I don't experience think, American freedoms. I don't think so. Be, oh, you, yeah, I mean, yeah, to a certain degree, but they know they have this hold over them. They're, like you said, true. their family's yeah. still living in China. But that's going to breed some kind of discontent at home, I would think. I don't know. I'm just... Look, if you don't think the Chinese people would prefer to live in free market, America-type freedom, you're crazy. Let's go back to the Tiananmen Square Revolution. The problem is 10% of the population of China are members of the Communist Party, and they control the country. Mm -hmm. They have the guns. They have the military. The people are terrified. Look, we this is the biggest mistake. And going back to McCarthy... And his uh, his showing that the State Department was full of communists and communist sympathizers may explain some of this. But one of the biggest mistakes we ever made was Nixa opening the door to open and then China to China and then China being allowed to join the wasn't it the World Economic Forum or the uh, World Trade the organization that's what it was. We allowed China entry into that. That gave them free access to every market in Western Europe, the United States, North and South America, which had been closed to them. 
And it gave them access to this huge consumers. Consumerism came up in one of our previous things. That's one of the tenets to get people to believe that things are more important than ideology, like spiritual values, like family. You're just diluting importance. You're diluting uh, what people find important. It used to be God and that was pretty much God and family and God that was and family. It. You add now you're and adding then cell phones and you're adding all this other right. stuff. You're adding things. Go to a bus station and look around and what do you see? You yeah. see 50 kids like this. Mm-hmm. Sucking on information, good or bad. Ideas. Uh, yeah, but so much of this information now is controlled by the very people we're calling out. If it's not controlled by Communists. Communists. It's controlled by our own government, which right. or big, big tech, big well, institutions. Look, Joe Biden, Mitch McConnell, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, they all are beholden to the ChaiCom, so the Chinese Communist Party. Yeah, that's the thing is uh, Americans are so fucking greedy. Yeah. Businesses are so greedy that. They don't see the problem with any of this as long as they're making a buck. And they're selling us all out in the process. Yeah, and, oh, totally. And, you know, I got to hand China, give China some credit on this. So what they did is they, you know, China had been a closed society for a thousand years. So they open up, not only did they gain access to our consumer market, they gave Western companies access to theirs. The difference was... The chai comms are not stupid. They and they put, control they all control of the businesses. It, and they got a piece of it. And then I heard horror story after horror stories from people that I even know that their companies to go do business in China and for five years. They're raking in all the still. They're doing great. And then the chai comms say, oh, we're taking it over. Sorry. Yeah. They steal their technology. I mean, China is constantly, they're the number one uh perpetrator of intellectual theft in the world remember the big sony thing when it turned out that sony been hacked yeah you know and yeah 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 people are talking about russian hackers yeah sure they're russian hackers but you know like the whole trump russia such bullshit china is the real threat oh yeah i saw something recently I was talking about there's only like five countries left in the world who really don't completely go along with this whole World Economic Forum globalist solution, and Russia was one of them. So was the United States. Although, I mean, look, we we just said Biden's completely uh, at the whim of the Chai comms, no matter what he said. Look, what happens if China invades Taiwan tomorrow? Do you think the U.S. is going to stop that? No, hell no. And if that happens, Taiwan being the largest chip manufacturer in the world, and we all rely on chips, dude, it's a problem. Yeah, this whole globalization thing has really put everybody in the same boat, whether they realize it or not. Look what happened in Hong Kong. I mean, the atrocities in, in Hong Kong, what happened recently is just horrific. And what people don't realize, you know, Hong Kong was a colony of England, of the UK, forever. what, the 90s, maybe? I think they the plan to give it back to China maybe was written in the nineties, but it only happened like ten years ago. Well, there was Hong, a, there was a read, ten year period, I think, from right. when they released the colony to, I guess, independence. But China promised that they would not step on the free ideals oh, that were ingrained in China. I know. So what happened? 
Remember the Hong Kong protest? God, it was horrible. And you never really even saw it. No, because I'm sure. our media colluded with them to not show people being beaten. And you saw the same thing at the NBA, like we were talking about. Right. right. With they, you know, Uyghur uh, the Uyghurs stuff and, and Nike. You know, protect Hong Kong. And they, you know, you could get whatever political statement you wanted on your jersey, and some people chose that. And and I gave a shout out to the Warriors in our last newsstand edition, and there is Steve Kerr, their head coach, defending the Chinese Communist Party. It's dude, these people Which, have no idea what they're you know, doing. How many billion people over there? Two yeah. billion people. That's a lot of sh- that's a lot of jersey sales. That's a lot of viewers. So it's really. Well, I started to go into what what we made the mistake. I didn't finish my thought. We made the mistake when we opened up trade and everything with China. What our leaders, the current leaders at the time, people like Henry Kissinger said, this was the idea. If we're allowed to trade with China, that eventually our form of democracy, constitutional republicanism, will wear off on China. And they'll become like us. That was the idea, yeah. though. Yeah. It was a huge mistake. What we should have done instead is push. We could have destroyed the they Chinese were Communist Party. incredibly weak at yes. that time. And Mao, it We was, could have destroyed yeah, them. It would have been over. It, and, and we could have simply done it by this. No, we're not going to allow you to trade with us. Yep. Until you disband the Chinese Communist Party, hold free and fair elections, start a parliamentary or constitutionally, a constitutional republic, some sort of free government. Until you do that, you're not a member of the world bodies. Instead, we just let them in. Well, and we saw greedy, grubby corporations decided that they saw that cheap labor. Same thing that happened in. Nazi Germany, Nazi Germany. Yep. You know, with, with Bush and the steel plants. So, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, that's all it was again. Time and time again, our foreign policy is in the long, in the short term, benefiting a few long term fucking over everyone else. Yeah. And this, in this case, the world's population. Well, now the world is, is such a one thing. We're so tight knit that it's not, it's it's never going to be the same. Right. But it brings us to the stuff we're seeing going on right now. The 200 cows dead in Kansas. These food plants that are being torched. That was like 2,000. I know more than, it was more than 200. It was like 2,000. Oh, 2,000 cow. I thought yeah, you meant yeah, the yeah, year yeah. 2,000. No. I'm like, no, this just happened two <laughs> yeah, weeks yeah, yeah. ago. No, I know. And they were there was more than that. You know, they were all over. But these food plants being destroyed, the Biden administration warning Americans that there's going to be food shortage. I mean, this is utter fucking nonsense. The United States produces enough food to feed everyone here and half the world. But if you stop the means of production... If you burn down the processing, if you control, and you have to come in and nationalize it, the means of production. Guess what? This is We're the communist plan. It, we're seeing it play out in front of our very effing eyes, and it's crazy. I think, though, Russell, you've made the point that people are only going to take so much. There's a pushback coming. Go back to that original document, back to Section 3. Because, uh, yeah, right there. This leads to two possible outcomes. And the first one is Civil, Civil War. War. And we're right there. You know, the great Tim Pool has been warning about civil war, and I used to think he was crazy. I'm not so sure. 
You're right. I don't know. It, Dude, when people so get hungry, shit's yes. going to hit the fan. Absolutely. If you can't feed your daughter, mm-hmm. what will you do to make sure she gets food? I think we'll have a real understanding of what it's like to not live in America and have the, uh, the freedoms we've taken advantage of for so long. You'd do anything, it's, wouldn't you? Oh, absolutely. Would you kill your neighbor to keep your daughter yeah. from dying? Of course you would. Yep. Any ra- sane, rational person would. Yeah, it's sad. I don't know, man. I, we're, we're at a point, uh, but, you know, so look, hopefully the listeners have a better understanding historically, and, and we've gone in other shows in different segments. We've talked about education and how it's been co-opted. We've talked about Hollywood we haven't done a deep dive in professional sports, but, you know, Andrew Breitbart always said it, that culture's downstream from politics. If you own culture, American culture, you own the politics. You own everything. Yeah. And these people are smart. They've played the long game. And they own the media. You know, they own the means of information. But what's cool, there still is this crazy thing called the Internet. And yep. you and me are out there. Yep. There's a million other YouTube and Spotify creators that are saying the same message as we are. Yeah. And I think that if Americans can realize we're being manipulated, we're all on this. It's going to be hard to overtake them. Everyone's so independent. And I know. And, and we thinking, have. What we else have do we a have? bunch of guns. <laughs> so I, I don't think it's as easy as this. Yeah. But I, I think that breeds more of a civil war yeah. than an invasion. Um, because you have two ideas thinking two different things and it's going to be a political war to start. And like, like we've been saying all along, this November is really important and you're going to see now what remains to be seen is not November, it's January of next year are these changes that happen in Congress and eventually two years from now in the white house, are they going to make any difference at all? Or are the, the influence of the Chinese and these other organizations so strong, so tentacled into our culture, is it going to make any difference? It's the octopus. Yeah. As, uh, the what's octopus. His name said about right. uh, the CIA and all these different things. Yeah. Their tentacles go into They're everywhere. just about everything. Yeah. But people so. are fighting. You know, one of the things to remember, folks, if you want a, because people, I've often asked the question, so what the hell do we do? And I'll never forget interviewing the great James Corbett, CorbettReport.com, who, if you're not familiar with him, uh, of course, he's been censored on every major platform. So you literally have to go to CorbettReport.com to find his videos. They used to be prolific on YouTube. Mm -hmm. He's done some of the best documentaries. But anyway, I asked him at the end of the interview, so James, you know, this was eight, ten years ago we had this interview, and we were taught the same issue and I said, so what do we do? And he goes, look, don't think in the big term, oh, i got to change the government. Think in terms of yourself. Look inwards. He said stuff like grow a garden. Mm-hmm. Plan for food shortages. Go buy extra food. He goes, make sure that your children are raised with these ideals of what if it's important to you, God, country, religion. You know what? Forget the religion part. It's about morals. You know, you don't have to be a believer in God to have morals. And Christina Aguilar walking around stage with a large green strap on is immoral. 
Yeah. I don't care how you cut it. We don't have to accept the fact that hypersexualization of kids is okay. It's not. So we're going to stand up, stand up for yourself, stand up for each other, for your neighbor, for individual freedoms. And we're doing our very, very, very small part by doing the clarification podcast. Yep. Because you and I believe it's important to get this message out. That's exactly right. So we will do it again, right? Yeah, absolutely. We'll keep doing it. Yeah. All right. Hey, I shut appreciate the internet it. off. No doubt. On Good one, bro. We'll yep. see you next time. Yep.